Hello and welcome back to another episode of Control Alt Delete. This episode is a slightly different one because I'm the guest and I thought it would be a bit too meta if I interviewed myself so I roped in my amazing literary agent Abigail Bergstrom to interview me because I have a new book out and you've probably seen me tweet about it or Instagram about it but now's the time for me to really talk about it because it's out, it's in bookshops, it's available on Amazon. It might be that you're listening to this episode and there's a few days to wait but I'm pretty sure that by the time this reaches your ears it will be available. So The Multi-Hyphen Method is a book I've been working on for a while and it's really exciting that finally it's going to be out there in the world. It's about working less, it's about creating more with your time and fundamentally it's about designing your own career and not being afraid to be multiple things. I have had a real topsy-turvy, zigzaggy career but essentially I've come to this point in my life where I truly believe that being a multi-hyphenate, having multiple strings to your bow is a huge bonus, it's a positive and I feel like we've been trapped in this stigma and myth of the jack of all trades being a negative thing but it's added so much to my life I have multiple income streams now that I talk about in the book and really it's about being fulfilled in all elements of your life and having lots of different projects on but also streamlining that so that you don't become overwhelmed or too busy so I've tried to write a book really about how to have multiple things on the go and also stay sane for it to stay manageable and also to be financially secure. So the world of work is changing and we know that. We know that we're in massive change at the moment. We have the ability to work from wherever we want and whenever we want, but we're still trapped in an old structure, many of us. And I feel like having side projects is leading us down really exciting paths. So it's about being at the centre of your own career, making choices that allow you to be future-proofing yourself in a world where we don't know where we're going to be in five years time. So whatever your ratio, whatever your mixture, whether you want to have a bit of flexible working or you just want to start a side project, whatever you want to mix, I interview many people in the book, part-time PAs with a blog, nurses who run online jewellery stores, podcasters who are chefs, doctors who are cinematographers there are such a mix of people and industries that I talk about in the book as well as my own experiences and my own learnings so if you feel like you need a source of inspiration to set you on that path to navigate your way towards your own definition of success and your own multi-hyphenate career then pick up a copy of the book it's out now it is available to buy um So I hope you enjoy it and I hope you enjoy this episode where Abby talks to me a little bit in more detail about what the book offers and what's in it. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast and all of your lovely feedback on the podcast. The podcast really has informed this book in many ways, having interviewed over 100 amazing people about their careers and how they make it work. um, It's been a real source of inspiration for me. So thank you and I hope you enjoy the book and let me know your thoughts. Here it is. (laughs) 
Over to you, Abby. You're going to interview me. I am. And this is weird for me, and it's probably weird for you, but I'm excited. I'm excited. I hope I can do as good a job as you do. So, congratulations. The book is publishing this week. Yay. That's so exciting. Um, and it's been described as um, an essential new business book for the digital age. And it's kind of all about keeping up with the changing world of work. And you talk a lot about kind of the nine to five being a little old hat and not us having to be chained to our desks the whole time because the internet and our phones have meant that we can work wherever, whenever. And it's already had a couple of early reviews. Um, Ellen Scott at Metro said, it's genuinely great. Even if you are a traditional nine to fiver, it inspired me to try new things and invest in skills. Even if that's just a pasta making class rather than a money making side hustle. And June Sarpong called it a must read for any woman looking to create the career of your dreams. So, Emma, tell me, what was the inspiration for you to write the book? So, I feel like I've had this book in my head for a few years, and I feel like it's come out slightly in like blog posts and talks that I've done, and actually writing it, I've found quite easy in a way, just because it felt like it was accumulating mm-hmm. over time. So, I wanted to write it because I felt awkward about I felt awkward about being a multi-hyphenate for a long time. I feel like I would clam up and not be able to um, explain what I did very easily. And I felt like it was a bit of a negative and the stigma of the jack of all trades, I still think, lingers a bit. Yeah. And so I just wanted to write this book as kind of validation and also a, kind of a movement for all those people out there who can say, actually, being a multi-hyphenate is a really good thing. Yeah. It also happens to be like a personal passion of mine to do many things, but it ties in with well, the, all of the research that's yeah. out there. Like, it's not just something that I like, it's it's the future of work, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. And the book is um, like heavily researched, you know, it's not really about me at all, it's about the wider landscape now of how we work and how we continue to work. Yeah, you're like giving people a language to be able to talk about what it is they do, that kind of, you know, uncomfortable sometimes dinner party question of like, oh, so what do you do? And that, uh, yeah. where do I start? Um, and I think, yeah, that's kind of what is really interesting about the book for me and what I loved about it when you first came to me with the idea is how it kind of navigates the ideas around success and, and what, what is success and what does success mean to different people. And you interview lots of different um, successful women in the book um, and ask them like what what does success mean Mm. to them and that was a really fascinating part because they you know it's so different for everybody some people it's about um, you know being respected or liked in their office or for others it's about earning good money Mm. or other people want that kind of public recognition and I just thought that was that was so interesting like what through through your research what have you discovered about the modern day definition of success yeah well that bit and I remember you saying that you liked that bit in the Mm. book and actually a few people who have had early copies said that they liked that bit where I've interviewed um, a range of women across different generations about what success means and a lot of what they said has really stayed with me because I managed I kind of took pieces away from that and um, yeah I think that we still live in a culture that thinks that success is Um, money and power and fame and I think we're living in a time now where a lot is changing like traditional celebrities don't have like the same sort of um, well they have respect but we don't see them on this kind of um, what's the word like put them on a pedestal as much because we we have 
other definitions of kind of what we want to be like it could be like uh-huh. a normal girl that lives down the road rather than you know Rihanna even though Rihanna's great yeah um so I think that as well you're scrolling through and it's like Rihanna Kim Kardashian your neighbor your colleague it's kind of put us all on an equal playing field in 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 that way in that visual way so like success yeah is kind of more achievable in those terms if you think that is success to you yeah but for me um I suppose I left my dream job which was the most successful thing on paper so working at Condé Nast and you know when was the Devil Wears Prada? When when did that film come out? But I really bought into all of that. I was like, yeah. I want to go in there and like have a marble desk, and uh-huh. I want you know I want to work corner office with the with the yeah. full ceiling windows, and I want to have a hardcore boss, and I want to climb the ladder, and I want to I want to be Anne Hathaway in the Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> like that's what I wanted. Yeah. And then I got that Condé Nast email address, and I was like, this is literally like my life has peaked. Yeah. And it was just unpicking why I was still unhappy because. I could go to any party and be like, I'm so successful because I work at this place, but I didn't feel successful. Yeah. Felt like a bit of a failure. So I think what's interesting about success is that um, what is on paper is not necessarily what truly, truly makes you happy. Yeah. Which we know, we know all of that, but I think um, there's so many different definitions and the, di- the dictionary definition still says fame money power and so to have a book where lots of different definitions are laid out I think it's quite useful yeah no for sure I mean you you are incredibly successful when it comes to um you know a multi-hyphenate career you walk the talk um and I think you're phenomenal at kind of self-promotion and that's really hard I think a Mm. lot of people find that really difficult it's really hard to um I don't know, sell yourself, blow your own trumpet or name dropper. I work at Google and, you know, be, identify with a company. Then you've got to, you know, the other alternative is to present yourself as an individual and what you're doing as an individual, which is kind of where, dare I say it, the PB comes in and like personal branding, mm. which mm. I do think is becoming increasingly important in the modern world of work. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, you do that very, very well. Do you think it's, essential to be you know to have a multi-hyphen career is it essential to be able to have that own personal brand and to blow your trumpet in that way um and how important are kind of like social platforms and that sort of thing to fulfilling that yeah I think with anything that gets popular it kind of gets teared down a bit like when like the girl boss hashtag is now kind of mocked a bit personal branding is another word that people kind of eye roll about but it's actually becoming, like you say, way more important. It's not, we're not at the peak of it yet. It's no. it's only getting more and more crucial. But I think one of the things that is um, a massive setback for a lot of people at the moment is confidence. And confidence mm. is tied in with self-promotion because why would you self-promote if you don't feel good about yourself? Yeah. Um, so I think you have to work on your confidence in order, in order to be better at self-promotion. But there's lots of tips in the book around self-promotion because I truly believe that there are natural ways to do it which don't make you feel really icky and gross. Yeah. And I think if you do it in a way that's very sort of... I, I always say about how you should self-promote in your real speaking voice. Yeah. Because if I told you, oh, I've got this thing coming up and I'm really like happy about it, you wouldn't judge me. No. And if I say it in that way on Instagram, I hope that it would have the same effect. Yeah. I think it's when we try too hard or we don't um, sound like ourselves or we sound like we're trying to like con people. Yeah. Because I think you just have to be really honest about it. Like, 
yeah, I'm self-promoting because I've got a book coming out. Yeah, I've worked really hard on it, so I'm going to chat about it, because what I've been doing for the past year. Exactly. Yeah. So I think we just have to be really upfront about it, and the reality is that no one is going to find you or stumble across you. Like, we've lost that stumble across, stumble upon sort of experience now on the internet, like, because of algorithms and because of um, things being tailored to us, because of newsletters, because of all these things, we don't kind of accidentally really come across many things anymore which I think is really sad mm. and that's why I love going to bookshops because you stumble across a book yeah whereas on the internet that more organic process of just finding something yeah like yeah. I love that and I don't think that um I would hate for that to go away but I but sadly on the internet it's moving more towards like tailored sort of things coming to you mm. so therefore you're not going to go on google and like be on the 10th page of google and find an amazing writer and commission them and you know yeah so I think it's just unfortunately you have to be quite out there to get opportunities yeah um and that's not me say I didn't make that rule like no, that's no, no. that's the world we live in and I think I don't want to generalize because I don't think um it's it's as bad now but I do think men are just really good at it like in general I know many men that aren't yeah. but I think men on the whole find it much easier to sort of um big themselves up yeah it's that whole thing with the gender pay gap and one of the reasons that men earn more money is because they ask for it you they you know they get given a promotion and a salary and they say oh sorry that's not a, that's not enough i mean again ge- generalizing but that is pit through one of the reasons and I, I always think about that whenever i get offered a job or you know ever offered a pay rise i always go back and negotiate because i yeah. think god like if i was a man i would so why the hell not yeah and the, and the self-promotion thing is really really crucial to the multi-hyphen method like you can't i don't think you can have a multi-hyphenate career without being quite good at promoting it otherwise people will be confused they'll be like what do you do they won't yeah. find you they'll you'll be too dispersed and you won't really find your niche and i think this is why I wrote the book. I wrote the book for myself as well because mm-hmm. I was in a social occasion recently and someone came up to me and they were like, Emma, how are you? What are you up to? And I totally like, I, I just got really nervous and I just played myself down so much. I was like, oh, nothing. No, not, I don't know. Like got, you know, bits and bobs. Oh my like God. we've all been there, you yeah, know, when you're yeah. like, oh, you know, nothing much. Mind blank. You're like, and, what am I doing? Yeah, and Paul, my boyfriend was behind me and and afterwards he was like what what was that like you've got all this stuff going on and you just came across like you didn't believe in yourself whatsoever yeah and so like I'm not perfect I still have these moments of self-doubt so I think people believe what you tell them yeah so basically put your best foot forward when when you need to yeah I think that's really good advice particularly what you say about being um consistent with the message you're trying to put out there and what it is that you're doing so people think of you as that that person mm. or the person that's a specialist in that area or a person who, you know, cares about activism in that certain area. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to kind of like nail that down and, and yeah, have some consistency. Um, and just good days and bad days as well. Because I think some days you wake up and you feel great and you feel confident and it's easier to celebrate what it is that you're doing. And then other days you wake up on the wrong side of the bed and you feel a bit low and it's harder. And I, you know, that's it part is. of it too, right? It is so part of it. Yeah. Like if you're having a bad day... That could be because you're like due on your period or something. Yeah. I think that um, you can't beat yourself up. Like you're never, yeah, you're never on it every day. No, 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 no. You can't put that kind of, that level of expectation on yourself. Yeah. And that's why. Which is hard when you're your own boss and the buck stops yes. with you. Definitely. Yeah. And that's why as well, um, you do have to, when you are self-employed or you're, or you're, you're a multi-hyphenate in, in some way, 
you kind of have to refer back to traditional kind of structure because I still have days off I still like will give myself a loo day like you Mm -hmm. know if like you work in an evening or you work on a Saturday like you'll ask your boss for a day off in the week um I still try and shut my laptop at a normal time I think that there's things that you can do kind of refer back to the old structure and apply it to your new life yeah and the same with like salaries that I used to have I still Mm. use those as benchmarks yeah I'm like oh I I like earned more than my old salary this year or oh I earned the same with my old salary this year or I don't know you kind of have to I think those those things are good as well yeah manage your own progression yeah and give yourself a pay rise yeah and give yourself a promotion that sounds great I'm promoting me (laughs) you get another promotion (laughs) yeah twice this year yeah brilliant (laughs) Um, but I think so. I think that your reputation um, is very much of being a trailblazer and being somebody that's like always ahead of the curve. You know, you were a really early adopter of Twitter, um, and kind of that platform led to the publication of your memoir, Control of Delete, which was what birthed this podcast, which has had now over two million downloads, which is just insane. And um, yeah, you've always sort of had an instinct for what's coming next when it comes to digital tools and how to harness new opportunities with them um and I'm sure like your listeners because I definitely am really curious to know like where where do you look to for guidance and inspiration on what's coming next how do you manage to be ahead of the curve I think that I just I make time to look at what's going on at what my peers are doing but also what America are doing yeah I think they're always slightly ahead as well especially with podcasting and things you kind of think if something's kicking off in America like normally the UK are like oh okay cool Netflix or you know (laughs) yeah it's just like we're a bit late but that's fine and I think it's exciting and I think that lots of people in America are already doing the multi-hyphenate thing I think there's a few books out in America as well about it and I think over here um yeah, we just like follow the curve of them, to be honest. And yeah. I think a lot of journalists in the US really inspire me. I think that you should really pay attention to what you consume. So if I start going off li- watching um, YouTube, for example, I don't know, that's a bad example because I still watch a lot of YouTube. But if something sort of bores me or I go off it or I stop reading blogs, mm-hmm. um, I think your own behavior does tell you something. Yeah, I do you think, know what I mean? Totally. I think people sh- need to think about feeding their minds in the same way that you do about feeding your body. Like, what are you putting in there? Where does it come from? Is it good for you? Is it bad for you? Like, we all know that sitting and scrolling through Instagram for an hour before we go to sleep doesn't make us feel great and isn't always necessarily the most conducive. Mm. Whereas sitting and reading for an hour, you know, on a novel that's going to give us some escapism or a nonfiction book about, uh, you know, starting up a side hustle or whatever might be more fulfilling and and I yeah. yeah I think you know with all the magazines shutting down and it's scary I think every person should feel a responsibility with what it is they're consuming and where they're choosing to cast their eye yeah and what industry you want to work in I mean I, I look to you as someone who does this a lot like I think you follow where things are most exciting and I think that when I worked in magazines I kind of thought to myself I haven't bought a magazine in six months like, I would go to a news agent and walk past them. Like, I wasn't spending my money on magazines, yeah. but I was working at one. And it just felt jarring. And I think you should just kind of pay attention to your gut instinct of, you know, if you're spending every night listening to a podcast, 
I don't know, this is very, very specific to the creative industry, what I'm talking about. And I think it can be applied across the board. Yeah. But it's just follow kind of what you're doing a little bit more closely. Um, cause I think you, you find out a lot from that. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's pull it, let's pull it back from the creative industry then, because, um, one of the things that I love about the book also is that it's not, it's not one of these books that's aimed at people who've got a multi-million dollar startup idea and they want to be the next kind of Zuckerberg. Um, I mean, if you have, great, and this book will help you with that. But that's not essential, and that's not what your message is. That's not what you're saying. You're saying that, you know, a side hustle can be for learning, or it can be for fun, or maybe it's just for, like, an extra bit of money on the side, but it's not something you're going to rely on to pay the bills. Um, So, and and you talk about as well, you know, you might be a nurse that makes jewellery and sells it online, or you might be a lawyer who wants to set up his own brewery. Anyone, really, can be... Uh, multi-hyphenate and it can manifest in all manner of ways so do you believe then that like everyone has an entrepreneurial spirit and that anyone can turn their craft into a career or anyone can have a side hustle there's room for it in their life yes a hundred percent I think everyone everyone has the opportunity to or should feel that they can I think it's okay if you don't as well but I think that it's not necessarily for a certain type of person. And I think that that's a really dangerous narrative sometimes when we're like, oh, only a few people are creative or only a few people are entrepreneurs. It's like, I think everyone has that. Like human beings are creators, aren't we? Like we make things and build things. Like we build things with our hands like every day. We don't think of ourselves as creative and you can be a lawyer and be creative. It's, you know, that it doesn't... hugely creative job. Yeah, Yeah, hugely. And I remember like in my drama class at school, um, a lot of the people in that class are now barristers because you have to get up and like perform. Yeah. You know, it's such a creative job. So yeah, it's for everyone. I think as well at the heart of it, it is about well-being. Yeah. And when people sort of put me in that category sometimes, I'm like, I'm not, like I'm not a Gwyneth Paltrow. Like I <laughs> am the opposite of like clean eating, for example. But actually at the heart of this book is well-being because what I'm saying is, um, our jobs can make us really, really miserable. So what what can we do about that? Maybe we can do something that can um, just be a creative outlet or we can make new friends from it or it can be, you know, there's people in the book that I've quoted who have blogged and that blog genuinely got them out of depressive a uh, depressive episode. Mm. And so to write it off as being silly kind yeah. of undermines the results. And I think that um, as well, you know, baby boomers and the generations above I think they always thought when I retire I'll do my side project yeah when I retire I'll do the garden or when I retire I'll go and set up a bakery or and I'm thinking life's too short yeah to retire and then do a side project I think we should do it all through our lives and so you know there are there is research in the book that says that you can earn a good living from a side hustle like yeah the GoDaddy research that says like most people earn an extra £5,000 a year from one. But I don't want to get bogged down in that. Yeah. Even though I love talking about money in the book as well. Yes. But it's both sides. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and also, I think it, it, the modern world of work now, our working lives and our personal lives are kind of integrating and, and merging. And, you know, we work long hours and I think millennial generation especially like we want a career that we find fulfilling we're just not we're not looking for financial security and a good pension and also those kind of 
incentives often aren't available to us anymore because of the way the, the, the economy has changed so and that's it because I was saying to someone the other day if I was working at that magazine for example mm-hmm. and I was on an amazing salary and the industry was thriving and I was traveling and like my I was getting pay rises and it was like the place to be I would still be there yeah like this is not okay I love it but also it's a necessity it was responsive yeah. Yeah, you didn't wake up one day and just think, oh no, you were responding to, to, to the a situation. To the situation that you were in. Yeah. 100%. But do you, it's interesting the whole blending of work and blending of personal. And I think, like, that definitely something in my job that I experience a lot. And it's maybe not for everybody. I love it. I like that I don't know where my job ends and my life starts and that my job feels like my passion. But I also think there are cons Mm -hmm. as pros and cons like what do you think are the difficulties with that well I think everyone is blending do you whether you're sat at home going no no they're separate I'm like if you look I bet you do blend yeah even if you really don't want them to because I totally agree like I don't want them to sometimes Mm. and sometimes I do want personal and professional very separate but I'm obviously an example of someone who has totally blended and I sometimes don't know what is work and what's not. So that's, I've made that choice. But if you send an email on the way to work on the train, technically you're blending because you're not in the office yet. Yeah. If you check an email on a weekend, whether you want to or not. And I think this is why we're in this technology revolution of like everything taking over, Mm -hmm. but yet companies don't address it. Like, is there, I don't know if there's any real solid training out there that's saying, right guys, um, what we're going to do about this because you, you're all working extra hours just by having your phone in your pocket. Um, so it's like people want to work in a traditional way, but they're not addressing the fact that most people, if they have work emails, are working way more hours. Yeah. Like and doing I, an hour on the train before they even get to their desks. Yeah. Like in the book, I, I, would, I would say that that is blending your work and life because that train journey used to be you just getting to work and not having to start work yet. Yeah. Um, I yeah. don't know. And, it, and, and that can be, I don't know, it can be quite toxic. I, I mean, I've recently just got back off holiday and so many of my kind of like clients have said to me, oh, did you did you turn your emails off? Like, did you not look at any emails? And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I, tu- I, tu- I turned my emails off. Like I was offline for a week, I was on holiday. And it was like, oh, well done. Like, well done, you, you know, they congratulated me. Yeah, you're really good at that. Yeah. And I think it's great. <laughs> is it, yeah, well, they congratulated me as if that wasn't the norm. And I feel really strongly it's about it. It's not the it norm, is it? For your mental health. Yeah. And, you know, well, I, when I come back, I'm refreshed, I'm on it, I'm excited. And I've got so much more to give. Whereas if I'd been half working, half not, I don't think that's the case. Which brings me around to burnout. Yeah. And burnout culture, which is something as well that you write about in the book. Um, mm. Tell me a little bit more about that. Like, where do you think this burnout culture has come from? Yeah. Well, uh, just on that quickly about the, the, the blend like, yeah. and how you, you, you do recommend switching off, of course. Yeah. I think the difference, though, is when you're self-employed, you, you don't have anyone to like, hand everything over to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think that's why in the book it's really crucial that I spoke about that. Because yeah. if you're self-employed... Um, there's benefits to it because when you, the extra hours you put in, you get back. Like it goes straight into your pocket because it's your business. Whereas if you're blending all the time for a company, you don't get to see the results of all those extra hours. Yeah. And so I think that's just one thing I will say is like, if I end up working one weekend, I'm not as annoyed because I'm like, well, it's my bit, it's my, but I get to keep this. Yeah. So I think that, um. And then you like, you will give yourself a day off in lieu 
when and if you want yeah. you know yeah like you said earlier about balancing that for yourself and being the master of your own working life yeah but so with burnout so yeah I I heard of the phrase a few years ago a friend of mine um wrote about it essentially burnout is when you have nothing left to give yeah and it's really serious especially when it comes to careers it's a feeling which I've become very close to but I've always caught it mm-hmm. um and I wanted to talk about it a lot in the book because I think that burnout, once once you burn out, you are literally of no use to anyone for months because it takes so long to get back on that horse. Um, I've got friends who have burnt out and, you know, it's, it's exhaustion. It's yeah. when you have to go to your boss, I actually need to seriously look after myself and take a few weeks off and then you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. So... Obviously, you want to prevent burnout is the goal. Mm-hmm. But also, if you have burnt out in the past, I think you will know some red flags when you see them. Mm. And I write about the red flags, and I know them for myself now. Yeah. So for me, it's it, you you aren't excited about anything anymore. That's the, that's the worst bit of burnout, because it's not just being like emotionally and physically exhausted, where you're at the point where you're just the tank is empty and you're scraping the barrel, yeah. but you just don't care about yeah, your work. You, don't care. you disengage, you disconnect, and projects that you would normally feel passionate and excited about, you just you just like I don't even have any more emotions left yeah. to stir for you. And that I think that's the saddest bit about burnout. Which is why breaks are so good, because at least you come back and you're ready to go. Yeah. But burnout so I've had those moments where I'm really apathetic and I'm really like I'm not negative or positive, I'm just... Indifferent. I'm just, like, a bit numb to it. Yeah. And and someone will be like, oh, my God, this is an exciting thing. And they'll be really excited in my face, and I'll just be like, I feel dead inside. Like, yeah. I, I'm not excited, because I'm so friggin' knackered. Mm. So I think that is one. And then, obviously, um, with that comes a string of, like, mental health issues yeah and then the other one would be um like physical rundown so I talk about that in the book that's probably the most honest like personal bits in the book I think that um there's nothing more important than your health and I just wanted to address that because I know that if people look at this book I know that there'll there'll be people out there who just think oh god that sounds like more work Mm. and that's what I really wanted to address in the book is it doesn't have to be no and it does say work less on the yeah, cover. Work less. <laughs> because I do work more. less. I do and work desi- less. And design a career that works for you. But it takes a lot of planning and strategy and learning to get to a point where you do work less. It's not a magic formula. It's just working on your boundaries, working on saying no and streamlining projects so that you're not taking on too much yeah and getting yourself to a position where you have the choice you can choose you can turn things down or you can take up things and you know that you get like you know you have to work incredibly hard to get to that position but once you're there that's an enabler to help you work less and that's what a personal brand gives you is like the luxury of people coming to you yeah because without any sort of personal brand and i'm not and personal brand doesn't mean like being like famous on the internet it just means being known for being good at something that's literally all it means like you could have two followers on twitter and just be like oh my god you've got to get this person she's he's amazing yeah so i think um that's part of it is you want work coming to you Mm -hmm. because a lot of people's burnout comes from the constant chase yeah and that's not fun yeah no that, that in itself is exhausting um another thing that you write about in the book as well is the big fat nasty f word Failure. Oh yeah. 
Um, and you talk about how in a lot of business books, it's kind of fetishized, you know? Like it, failure is the doorway to growth. Like, don't worry. But the reality is, failure feels fucking horrible. Yeah. <laughs> no one likes to fail. It feels like crap. But we all do, and we all have to face up to it. And I would imagine, although I don't know, having a kind of multi-hyphen career means that you probably need to be better equipped for failure. Would you say that's an accurate assertion or kind of what's the, you know, is there a different relationship with failure there? I think everyone has to deal with failure. I think we're very good at hiding failure. Yeah. Especially right now in our filtered Instagram lives. Totally. Um, failure is, is all around us, isn't it? It's like, you don't see on someone's holiday that actually the, fl- the flight got cancelled and the taxi bailed and, you know, it was all a bit of a nightmare. Like, yeah. we don't see that, we just see the beach photos. And I think that's the same with our careers. No one really sees all the behind the scenes. I think with failure and the multi-hyphenate career, you do get a little bit more used to it, maybe. Just because you've got fingers in pies, you kind of treat failure not uh, as seriously in a way, I think, now. I think that... Because I have multiple income streams, which Mm -hmm. I talk about a lot in the book, so this way of monetizing your career is not having a payday Friday every month, it's you get paid little and often, and actually it makes up a salary, Um, which I, I personally love and think has made me feel more secure in my career. But I think with that, you know, if one fails, it's fine, and I can get another thing. Yeah. Whereas if you basically my eggs aren't in one basket yeah so failure has been dispersed failure is not i've lost my job distributed like it's like diluted across so if one thing goes then you've got another thing to nurture and monetize totally and it kind of means i don't dwell on it as much yeah i don't have time to i'm just like okay fine that's failed or like you don't want to work with me anymore or um that bombed and oh that that was a weird risk that i took that didn't pay off but you kind of think well, my career is this evolving, moving thing and it, it's not a life-changing failure because you've got balls in, in many courts. Yeah, totally. So, but yeah, I mean, failure I mean, failure is something we all do and I, and I like the fact that failure became really cool a few years ago when it was like, fail better, fail... No, wait, that is actually a Samuel Beckett quote, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, fail better. But I think in loads of tech companies... Fail harder. Like, fail harder is, like, tattooed on the walls. Yeah. Um... And that's fine, but I didn't want to sort of do a whole chapter about how failure's so great because failure's not not fun at all. No. If, even if you've got a full-time job and you're doing like one or two things, you know, you're doing something on the side, if it fails, then that's okay because you've still got your full-time job. Mm-hmm. But also I, I always think, and, and this is what the book says as well, those things aren't mutually exclusive. Like, it's one informs the other, you know? And, and, and ideas or strategies or things that you'll learn from a side hustle are things that you can, like, take away and apply back to other projects or mm. other jobs. So it's it's all just this one big spinning plate, really. Yeah. And also, the side hustle thing is you're kind of future-proofing yourself in a way of... I reckon you could probably spot failure earlier and I think that's what happened with me, like you were saying with like the trend watching. Like there's there's quite a lot in the book about trends and how to spot trends. Just because I think when you're upskilling and diversifying your skills and learning things on the side, which you do when you're a multi-hyphenate, you kind of do spot things a little bit earlier because I don't know, you're like in the trenches like doing it. Yeah. And so 
you're not shielded by a company no. that's moving forward. It's like you're on the front line yourself. Because yeah. I think sometimes with big, big companies that end up failing, um, the warning signs aren't as obvious. And, yeah. and then it's all a bit of a shock to everyone. Whereas the multi-hyphenate method really is about um, being in... I, I speak about um, being in beta mode. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of always like half done. You're always like moving. Yeah. And evolving. Yeah. It's never quite finished. Yeah. Which is great. Which is great. Because who knows what we're going to be doing in five years time. Yeah. Like we don't know. I quite like that. Um, And I think you can choose to find it kind of interesting or you can choose to find it so incredibly scary. Yeah. And actually someone the other day um, interviewed me and she was like, your opening chapter like freaked me out and really scaremongered me and then as I got into the book your tone really chilled me out and made me excited yeah and I thought that was quite interesting because it is a scary time like there's no denying it it is because it's it's a time of such rapid change and it's you've got to move with it or you're gonna get left behind yeah which is scary it is scary and that's why I didn't want to direct this book at any age group yeah. Because I think we're all in it together. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it is aimed at anyone, no matter what job you're doing, or no matter how, whether you're just starting out in your career, or whether you're 30 years into it. Like, this yeah. book still applies to you, mm. which is amazing. Yeah. And so it's out this week, and are people yeah. able to can buy, buy copies? Yes, so you can buy copies in any good bookshops, and also on Amazon, obviously. Also, I am doing a book tour with Bumble, Bumble yes, Biz. So um, if you're listening, go to Eventbrite and just type in Emma Gannon and Bumble and, and all the dates will come up. I'm doing Bristol, Exeter, Edinburgh, London, Manchester. So if you want to come and get a book signed, then come along yeah. and meet other multi-hyphenate people. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for inviting me on to interview you about this amazing book and I hope all of you subscribe and buy a copy because it is truly awesome. And thank you for being my agent and helping me get it published. My absolute pleasure.